Hello everyone, welcome to uh, a little bit of a special Arsaholics podcast. So we got really excited the other day and we thought it would be a really good idea to record an episode just as the transfer window was closing. Um, I think we made a mistake once of recording the day before a window closed and some stuff happened and it made our, our pod completely irrelevant. So we thought, let's just do one to, to review how things have gone, particularly on deadline day. Um, I think we <laughs> I think we came in this morning feeling like this was going to be a really fun podcast to do. Uh, but geez, right? So r- right at this current at this current moment in time, it's 20 past 10 in the UK, which means that in 40 minutes time, uh, the transfer window shuts. And it's a in terms of incomings, it's been pretty underwhelming, shall we say? Um, yeah. But the big story, I suppose, is um, is Aubameyang and w- what is now being reported as um, as a free transfer to Barcelona. It sounds like it's a six-month deal with an option for 12-month extension. And it f- essentially means that, you know, as far as Arsenal's concerned, on the face of it, um, it's Aubameyang off, off the books completely. He's, he's not an Arsenal player anymore. There's some talk, there's some chat about whether Arsenal are covering all the, some of the wages or none of the wages at all. But anyway, Aaron and like what do you think about this story mate and were you expecting Oba to leave today and and is this how you thought it was going to go down um I'm I'm still pretty sad that he's going I because I think I said this a little while ago in that I I was secretly hoping that he could have been reintegrated into the squad yeah maybe even during this trip to Dubai um but for whatever reason it seems like bridges very much have been burned and there's no going back. And then if you are if you are then of that, like if you accept that that there is no going back, the the, the obvious thing is to sell him or to try and get him off the books. I thought it would be a loan, but actually it sounds like actually a long term if he's if he is not if he's never gonna play again, then a loan actually makes no sense because we're just kicking the can down the road. So yeah, I mean it's it's pretty sad to see him go, but actually in terms of the financials of the club finding someone anyone to take his massive wages off the book is you know undoubtedly a good thing so fair play but yeah i mean the the you know the quoted you know financials of like okay we're taking some of his wages he's getting a pay cut and barcelona who don't have money to sign players but can somehow afford a bamiang uh is a bit weird but look i think you know, we're getting good at giving away players for free. <laughs> um, let's put it that way. Um, so let's, yeah, let's, at least we haven't paid him to go as such, but obviously we're still going to be bearing the cost. But, yeah. you know, like I said, he was going to go in the summer probably. So if he wasn't going to play, yeah, I guess you probably look at it as a good thing. It's a funny one because I feel there's lots of different aspects that come into play, right? And when on Twitter... It's been quite interesting over the last couple of hours because it's been quite divisive, I I feel, in terms of some people feel this is a really good idea from Arsenal. It's a really good... Some people think that this is a very good deal that Arsenal are getting, even just leaving, letting him go for free because of the amount saved. We're talking about 18 months worth of 350k a week. That's about 22.5 million, apparently, um, if my maths are correct. So 22.5 million um, saved over 18 months. I think some of the interesting things on Twitter is around how much that really matters. From my perspective, 
you know, I I think it matters from an FPL point of view. Um, we we know that FPL FPL FF uh, financial fair play. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, FPL no, it like doesn't help me in FPL at all. But you know, look, essentially, it feels like the way that um, financial fair play works is very much around how our kind of income ratios are and how 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 much profit and how much loss is being realized in specific periods which doesn't necessarily mean cash and what this means is you know we've got a 22 and a half million loss essentially that's being realized over an 18 month period that has now essentially disappeared right so that's not happening so yeah. that loss is- especially when you consider that he wasn't even going to play i think that's the main thing if you true very true good point if you kept the door open for him to come back um then you say, okay, well, we're paying him, but maybe he scores four or five goals. Even Aubameyang out of form probably scores four or five goals between now and the end of the season. Yeah. Um, an informed Aubameyang, you could argue, and we might talk about this later on, might even help us get fourth. But, you know, yeah, so that's the thing. But when you're paying 400, 300K, whatever it is, a week for nothing, that is a big, big problem. And... I don't know. It feels like a problem that only Arsenal <laughs> seem to have. You know, we had it with Ozil, um, where our highest paid player then was simply cut out from the squad. Now we've got it with Aubameyang and we've, you know, we've moved him out. But yeah, I think that the wages thing is is interesting because I think the way I see it is, I think two, three years ago, I can't remember who it was, but someone said that we essentially have a... Europa League team but with a Champions League wage bill or something like that whereby we were playing in the Europa League we had the income of a Europa League team but most of our players at the time were probably on an average of 200 mm-hmm. you know, K a week when you look at Ozil, Lacazette, Aubameyang uh, I don't know who else we had David Luiz came in um, Willian all those guys um, I think with when you take out Aubameyang's wages yeah, I think the average wage will drop quite considerably of this team. I don't know who the highest paid player is now. Probably, I don't know, Lacazette maybe? Um, maybe you're right. I can't think of anyone else who'd be more than that. I think Lacazette, I, I want to say, is he in the 125 range, one, 150 range? But I, that's heard, a... I heard, yeah, I heard like 160, 170. Okay, yeah. okay, wow. But yeah, I mean, the. I think the, the crux of it is that actually like we have a much more sustainable wage structure. Yeah. And then now it's not, if we do, you know, in a couple of years, we'll put some of these young kids on on new contracts. They're not going to want 350K a week no. because Aubameyang's on 350K a week. They could say, a club could say, we can make you our top earner and put them on 170K a week. And they'll still be the highest earner at the club. And, and also then it just frees up, you know, it just resets a lot of things, mm. I think, which is quite good. I mean, that... Yeah, a lot of this doesn't matter when um, I think the main thing is, you know, performance in the pitch, how much point, how many points we're getting, you know, are we scoring goals? But I think a secondary thing, which is, you know, we've suffered for a long time, which with this legacy issue of inflated contracts, inflated, inflated wages, you know, players we can't shift. Uh, Kolasinac is another one that comes to mind. It's a player that we just can't shift because they're not good enough or they're just not playing. And the clear out was needed. Mm. And, you know, I think the bigger thing that a lot of fans are upset about is, well, as it stands right now, nobody has come in to replace not just Aubameyang, but any of these players that we've sold. And that's it, isn't it, right? Because ultimately, I think 
the fans will always come back to what's happening on the pitch, what's happening off the pitch with regards to finances, the way that you know financial fair play works, the amount of money that we might be getting from the Cronkies. None of that is really that transparent. So you don't really know. Mm. You never really know how much we can spend. You never really know all that kind of stuff. But like you say, it, what, what we do know is what happens on the pitch. Right now, we are in a, a battle, aren't we? we? You know, we are in a, a top four race still. It's It's not something that I think that arsenal look favorites for but it's certainly a, a you know something that's possible and and we're looking around us and i think you know the squad looked a bit thin anyway but we've seen a january where we've been really ruthless in getting people out it's been a serious like kind of ruthless effort which has continued from a fairly kind of ruthless couple of windows um and you know it's really there's this real journey that arteta and Eddie seem to have gone on to to not only get rid of the deadwood that existed prior, prior to them sort of taking over, but we also see some of those stop gaps that, you know, even your likes of Murray and, and, and William in the you know window before we've seen those guys go now. So the stop gap kind of players, you know, they go, so this is really a kind of preparation for the new, you know, the, the, the new world. We're very much into the new world, but that ruthless effort, it seems like this window, right? We've got, we've, we've, we've taken out Murray Chambers, um, Obama Yang, just now, um, Kalasinac, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think of the you know kind of kind of big five. That doesn't include the likes of you know Balogun on loan. That uh, you know, that, I'm not including that because they are people for the future anyway. But you know we've got those five players. So that's a ruthless effort of getting rid of the this kind of old era or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, what, what do you think, mate? The fact that that's happened, we've brought no incomings in. We'll let's just talk about the American guys that we have brought in that aren't going to affect this <laughs> season. We'll talk about that later. But in terms of impact now, no one has come in. How do you feel about that? I think when you, I think you have to look at the striker situation, and I think you have to look at it quite factually in, in the way that as it stands, we are going to go into the final what, eighteen games of the season with Lacazette and Ketia as our two, as you call it, like traditional strikers. I know there's alternatives out there with Martinelli potentially playing there, maybe even Pepe playing there. Realistically, you've got those two. You know, I had no a theory. One, yeah. you, I had a theory that yeah, <laughs> this is probably not going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if, if at some point in the season we play Odegaard as a false ten, false nine, and just don't play. Yeah, and play and play ESR Saka and Martinelli behind him. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. I I was thinking we might actually just try give Pepe a go up front at one point. Um, that, that would seem like a more uh, obvious thing to do, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah um, As you were saying, sorry, but yeah, I think no one can convince me that the plan was, <laughs> you know, when when Aubameyang, Aubameyang's issues started in October November time, I don't think you told me if you told Mikhail Teta right, we're going to be a couple of points off fourth, and we are going to go into the last eighteen games of the season with just Alex Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah as your two strikers. That cannot have been the plan. Oh, sorry. That was my Alexa going off. Um, that cannot have been the plan. No. And so you have to ask what has happened to get us into this situation or what has not happened. Clearly, there was a plan for a, a striker to come in. Um, one sec, mate. Sorry, I just read loud plane going over my head on my flat. Um, <laughs> That's not normal, is it? You don't have planes over your place. No, not. Oh, wait, loud. mate, mate, is it? Is it? It's Ark. 
Is it Alexander Isak? <laughs> Is he coming? Exactly. <laughs> they are, yeah, he's on the way to the Emirates as we speak. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no plan. No, this, yeah, you can. It's yeah, a mess. Yeah, yeah. It's a mess. That is, I, I don't think that was Arteta's plan. I don't think that was Edu's plan. I don't think that's anyone's plan. So you have to ask the question: How have we ended up in this situation? Okay, so let's say um, it's not the plan. Let's say, let, okay, yeah. if I think we all agree, this is not the plan. There was no plan for for Ober to, you know, not do that well this season. But then significantly, there was no plan for him to fall out spectacularly in the way that he did. So there was no plan for us to just be in a situation where it's Lacquer and Eddie, and like you say, you know, put into context the fact that we're not that far off fourth. What if we, you know, and I was I was convinced all the deals that we had been doing in January was going to point to us being able to do something crazy and 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 you know maybe release um, pay the release clause for Isak, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So all that could indicate to me is that although there were objectives this season about trying to do as well as we could possibly do, there was always a bigger plan to say we need to transform this squad over a, I don't know a two three year period we will only go now for the players that we really want to go for we will only go for our strategic targets and if those targets are not available we don't get anyone and that's just how it's going to be and so do you think that I mean is that in your mind possible at all is it, from the evidence of not doing anything this window it would suggest that that is possible I think that is, to a certain extent, true. I think, look, the Blahovic was clearly a target who we missed out on. And I think we thought we had a realistic... Look, he was clearly available this January. So we made a move, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Um, which is a blow to whatever the plan was. Because um, he looked like someone who the club wanted who we tried to get, who we apparently bid a lot of money for, but didn't work out. And that was a player, I think, who we were looking at in the summer, who then became available in January. So I thought, I think the club thought, this is perfect. You know, we can just bring forward a summer signing to January. It's a player we want. He's part of the plan. We'll get him in. Juventus are never going to be able to afford it. Yeah, yeah, they thought that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And that that didn't work out. And then I thought, I think we got a bit stuck because... We've obviously got a list of players who we are looking for. I don't think the plan was ever to bring in a striker in January if Aubameyang was was fit. I think the plan was, okay, let's go till the end till this season. I think those three can get us through, and we had Balogun around, and you know, and things were okay. For you know, I think the Aubameyang situation has obviously screwed screwed us. Mm. Um, and then I just think we haven't been able to find the striker that we want. I think that's just a simple case of that. I think we, I don't think we ever were prepared to pay the release calls for Isaac. Is that how you say it? I've, I've been pronouncing it Isaac. Just, I, but I think, Isaac. I, I think that's, you know, remember, remember <laughs> TV, remember the TV show? Was it heroes? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure in heroes, they had some guy who kept on saying the name Isaac pronouncing that as Isak. Sorry, this is a really rubbish reference and crap story, but that is why yeah, in yeah. my head it's Isak. Okay, all right. So anyway, I'm just going to go. I, I went Isaac. But... I mean, you know, okay, maybe it, it, lo- it looks like we'll, we may never have to really <laughs> say it. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So this this dude, um, whatever the release clause was, it, it, that was a lot of money. Um, and I, 
I have a feeling that they thought we could get this person now for this much money or for an either equivalent amount or potentially less or maybe a little bit more, there could be a significantly better option available in the summer if we wait. And if we spend this money now, we are not going to be able to get that option in the summer. I yeah. This is what I think the plan is. Essentially, should we go now and get this or should we go in the summer and have a choice of maybe two or three and then maybe even saving ourselves 20 or 30 million? And I think that's the conversation they had. Um, and and yeah, I think that that's just the, the unfortunate nature of, of where we are. And I think my question to you is, does our... Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say, look, oh, we're two points off for um with a game in hand and this is a as good a chance as we will get to go for it that's why we should bring these signings forward if we were let's say six points off fourth do you i don't think anyone would be treating this any differently no i agree i i, I don't like you know those when people make those statements around oh you know never gonna not gonna get a better chance than this you know and, and all that kind of stuff well, you know, that, that that's a, it's very hard to build any kind of strategy based on stuff like that. At the end of the day, we we are where we are because actually we've been playing pretty well this season overall. Yeah, that's that's yeah, why we are, we, are. Where we are because the plan is the plan is working. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not you can't then say, okay, well, the next summer the plan is going to stop working. Yeah, you know, the plan is to build for a team that's going to compete for fourth and then onwards. Um, Ex- exactly. So it's working now. You can argue it's, we're ahead of schedule now potentially. Um, but there's no reason to say that in next summer, next next season, we're going to be further back, away back because that would suggest that actually we would have taken steps backwards next season. Um, yeah, it, it, exactly. and yeah, and we've been burned by this before. Like I can't remember who we bought in in January. Sometimes like, I think we there've been so many weird short term signings that we thought, okay, let's just get this guy. Was William a January signing? No, he wasn't. He was a summer uh, signing, yeah. wasn't he? Um, but even William was a bit of a stopgap. We were like, let's yeah. get him in for one year, one or two years, get us fourth, and then we can get someone else in. Um, and I just feel like there's... there. I don't, I don't want to say there's no reason to panic because just imagine if Lacazette gets injured in the next game. Yeah. Three months. Um, and then we're really struggling. So we are short of bodies. I think I know where you're going with it generally, but because what you don't want is for us to try and solve a problem by causing another problem yeah and yeah. and and like that getting stop gaps would have just led us to have to fix that problem again some point down the line like we've just had to do yeah. anyway so i'm okay with the idea that we've just not kind of you know buckled and listen we all like players coming in it's something that's just a fun part of being a fan you you like seeing new players come to your club it's just like a really it's it's a really fun thing and i don't think anyone can deny that the amount of players that have gone out in one window without anyone coming in that is a bit it is scary it it totally is but it's also something that we've never we've never been in a situation where we've been in january and only been in one competition we've only got one competition that we got we got what's that 17 games i think is that we've got 17 games left? Something like that. Yeah. 17 games left. We're going to play one once a week. Um, fine, there might be a rescheduled game every now and again. But look at now, we've 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 got this massive gap now. I guess point is if if everyone is fit, 
so if everyone is fit, actually it's okay because all the players that have gone out in this window haven't been players that have been tangibly making uh, a difference this season. They haven't been players who have been really contingent to the relative success that we've had. So, So really it's a case of just, you know, let's just hope, fingers crossed, people don't get injured. Now, look, that's me being very optimistic. There's still a good chance people, you know, might get injured. But I think, you know, like you touched on, I think centre forward is the one where it's giving the most glaring issue. Um, but th- there could be options. Um, I think. Yeah, I think so. Just to count counter that a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I do kind of agree. Yeah. I think the way the bit the one area where I don't agree and where I'm, I'm thinking actually maybe we should have gone for it is actually you know the strikers that we do have aren't exactly you know, smashing goals in left, right, and centre. Mm. And you're like, but the Burnley game was a prime example there. If we had a an informed striker, we might have won that game. Yeah, um, we probably would have won that game. Okay. There have been other games where actually, like I remember Eddie's missed chances or Lacazette's missed chances. Actually, that Everton game, like Liverpool. I'm not saying we would have beaten Liverpool if we had a striker, but you know, Lacazette missed a good chance, and then Eddie missed a really good chance against Everton. I think mm-hmm. where he missed that header, and then even Forrest, we missed chances. So. You could argue that, yeah, I mean, the we can survive, and we can survive until the end of the season, probably. But what 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 is surviving? Like surviving is fifth place, so, sixth place. Look, let's the Burnley game. Um, like you said, it did uh, on the face of it, drawing nil nil at home to what were they? The bottom, they were bottom of the league, I think. Yeah. Yeah. obviously look that's not a good look and it's very easy then to look at the game and kind of go well do you know what like you need a centre forward to score goals and we just probably you know could, we could have done with a better centre forward look the thing is Burnley at home that draw was probably one of our worst results of the season and I think you know we'd spoken about this before but I think right now I think there's probably only four or five games let's just say five games that you could truly turn around and say that was a bad result and and that's, and that's just one of them um, and if you look at some of the teams above us, you look at Chelsea. Chelsea drew at home to home to Burnley as well. Chelsea, Chelsea drew one one to Burnley. They've got plenty of striking options. Um, you know their club. I, I, I guess point is is that actually in recent times, in if, let's just go let's go prior to January because January has been a particularly weird month. We played Liverpool twice, played Man City once, so a bit of a weird month. Before that. You know, even after after uh, Oba got ostracised, we suddenly started finding ways of scoring goals. It didn't seem to be a problem. You know, there are goals coming from areas other than centre forward. In fact, Laka was proving to be a very good foil for the likes of um, you know Odegaard and Smith Rowe and and Saka and Martinelli. If we can just get that working, how it was prior <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. January, then that, we might that, be okay, right? That is that is literally the gamble in a nutshell, right? Is are we going to get? the Man City form, the the Leeds form, the Norwich form, yeah. or are we going to get the Burnley form? And yeah, you might be right. And yeah, yeah, I think if you look over the course of the first half of the season, we, there is reason to be optimistic, but there's also reason to be pessimistic. <laughs> and you yeah, could yeah. say actually that Burnley game, the Liverpool game, the City game, Forest game, we haven't scored... I think we scored. We haven't scored since New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's the reason why you say, okay, well, 
in those situations where the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Erdegaard aren't doing it, adding a goal scorer, I mean, I'm, I don't think you're disagreeing with me here, but adding a goal scorer now probably gets you an extra six points. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think we are in agreement. I think that, I think one of the concerns for me is then if you if you look at who would we have got, then actually, actually the market's a bit weird because it feels like a lot of the striking options in inverted commas who you don't actually know are available necessarily, but all of the ones that we might want at Arsenal Football Club are are going to cost a lot of money. They're going to cost you know fifty, sixty plus million, right? Like um, you could argue maybe there's one or two names that maybe you know I know some, Ivan Tony's an example of someone who might cost less. Than, I, I don't know, but. That, you know, there, there are players, generally speaking, it's going to be quite high. So I wonder if, you know, Arsenal are kind of looking at it and going, we're not going to ha- be able to pick who exactly we want We want in January. It might be a case of we have to pick whoever we can get. And if we're going to spend that much money, do we not need to wait for s- the summer and actually focus on this longer term rebuild? But look, I think, you know, I'm in agreement with you. If we, you, you, you can't, it's very hard to argue with the fact that if we had got, a competent striker in would they have not got us at least another six points like you say yeah it's, i think it's hard. i think that's it if we'd got i think the loan really if we had found a loan for six months that would have been ideal it felt that wasn't really we felt like there weren't many on the cards so if we just quickly touch on what some of the other you know business some of the other teams have done there isn't apart from juventus obviously signing vlavic there, there hasn't been a team that has signed a, a centre forward that I think, oh, really wish we got signed the mighty Chris Chris Wood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, being like, like you know, no, no, no. Hypothetical question. Hypothetical question. Yeah. Would you, <laughs> would you take Chris Wood on a six month loan? Okay. Or would you have taken Would you have taken Chris Wood on a six month? I probably would have taken Chris Wood on a six month loan. Yeah. <laughs> from a, from a numbers game perspective, I would have taken. I would take a lot of players a six month loan. I yeah. Newcastle okay. Wait, Newcastle got him for twenty million on a permanent deal. Would you have paid twenty million no for way. Chris Wood now? Absolutely not. No way. That's that's. He could have been like our second or third striker. He wouldn't. But that. No, mate. I mean, I know. You, <laughs> you, uh, in fairness, you're gonna. You know, in fairness, I think a question like that. I could laugh at it, but I need to. I need to dignify my. You know, my my laughter with it with <laughs> rationale. I think at the end of the day, there is nothing that says that Chris Wood is going to score more goals than Alex Lacazette. Well, hold on. There hasn't got a better goal scoring record than Alex Lacazette. How many goals has Chris Wood got this season? I don't know. Okay. Chris Wood. Okay. Anyway, well, while you while you Google that, my rash <laughs> anyway is for someone who's thirty years old to spend twenty million, and like he's not, it's not going to be on a one year contract. It's going to be on a you know I don't know, like to say three year contract. Again, that's just that's the, another problem we'll end up having to fix in another six months time, right? So with no guarantee, yeah. with, with yeah, Chris yeah. was not going to cover it. He's not guaranteed of like banging in the goals for us. There's there's just no point. Um, okay. Oh wait. No, no. Hold on. And also, also, mate. I think going from Burnley to Arsenal is a very, very different mindset, mentality, you know, style of play, all the rest of it. A- a- anyway, I can't believe we've spent. A- Chris Wood, just for the record, has got uh, three goals this season. Okay. In seventeen games. Fine. I think Lacazette's Lacaz- probably only- Lacazette's probably only got three or four anyway. <laughs> so, so we're not too far off. Um, 
But anyway, look, like I um I think we're in agreement there. Let's let's just let's leave it from um let's leave strikers for a minute. Yeah. Um let's just talk about central midfielders because at the beginning of this window, there's probably more talk. There's more rumors around central midfielders at the beginning of this window, right? Actually, like there are quite a few names that were thrown around at the beginning of the window. Um and a few of those players have moved on to other clubs. A few of those players haven't gone anywhere. But, you know, one being Bruno Grimeris, who, um, you know, did end up going to Newcastle, uh, had a see. I don't know if you saw the uh, his video, his the announcement the video. video, having a like. That was really weird. Yeah. Wasn't me like. I find it weird. Uh, you know, I just find it funny because at the end of the day, that's just that 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 makes me feel that the guy's just really upset that it didn't work out or uh, well, whether it's I, I, but, I mean. Okay, it probably was Newcastle. Was it it's Newcastle, Newcastle that did the that, video. Or was it? Yeah, m- maybe so. Was it just him? Yeah, maybe so. I, I, I don't know what the ins, of, ins and outs of it could be, but if, you know, if it's Newcastle, then I guess they're just trying to hype up a player even more. You know, Arsenal linked to this player and blah blah blah. Anyway, look, that guy doesn't come. But do you know, remember, like when we did our last pod, I think we talked about some of the potential people that was linked. And and look, I, none of us, none none of us professed to be you know, experts on, on, on Bruno Gomeris. But I remember saying to you that the, the South American football correspondent that they got on to Sky, which I'd just seen previously did say like, yeah, he's a good player. He's never going to be a world beater though. And the to- the tone of it for me, well, I was just like, well, geez, that's not the sort of player that I thought that we're trying to aim for. I thought we we're trying to aim for the players who potentially would be, but uh, look, anyway, I think clearly with that, the deal was there to be done. If we wanted it, we clearly didn't want to. But um, just generally, anyway, mate, with with central midfielders, you know, there was him. There was Arthur Mello, who was linked um, at the beginning of the window on loan. Um, there was talk about us being interested in Douglas Louise um, from Aston Villa. None of these things ended up happening. Uh, I imagine they aren't all the same reasons. But I think again, what was clear was Arsenal ultimately probably could have done a deal for a central midfielder in some shape, way, or form, but chose not to. Did that? Does that concern you now? And or and has that baffled you in any way? No, I never felt like we needed to sign a midfielder this January. Um, I did. I did at times panic <laughs> yeah. because let's be real, there were times where we didn't have a midfield at all. Um, and I think if we need, if we were going to sign a midfielder, we should have signed him in the first week of January, before Partey went off, or like as Partey went off, um, because then you could say like, okay, well, it's six months in, you get three, four, five games now. And, you know, if you do well, you, you, you play and you can, you can come in the squad and you give competition to Jacker and Partey. And you know, would that competition be welcome now? Yeah, it probably would be. Uh, I'm not going to say it wouldn't be, but it always felt again, very similarly, like a case of, well, if that summer, that future summer midfielder is available now, we should get it, but it it definitely didn't make sense to sign a a stopgap like a, a two year player in central midfield because what we need now is the midfielder for the next five six seven years, yep. and if that midfielder was was Bruno Grimaldi, then yeah, we probably should have got him. I I don't know if we were interested or we weren't interested or what the deal was there, but um, he was clearly attainable, like you said. And we d- we decided not to go for it. So so yeah, I th- I'm perfectly happy. You know, going from now until the end of the season with Xhaka. Not that I'm a big fan of Xhaka. Partey, who is you know probably c- can be quite inconsistent. And then we've just got players like you know El Neni to come in, um, 
and you know who else can play there and Lukonga's obviously there as well that to me just seems like okay well for the number of games we have left we have enough bodies and between them we probably can find a, a competent enough midfield mm-hmm. um now you could so the only way to really improve that is to find someone noticeably like remarkably better and put them in and then unless that player comes in there's no real point there's no point in signing a an Elneny equivalent to come in no. for three four five months that's pointless um because then they won't play probably because Jack and Partey will play and that'll be that so it's a bit different to the striker situation i i'm i'm okay with us not signing midfielder what are you i feel exactly the same um you know i think that at the beginning of the the way that january's panned out in terms of results where i think we lost three games this is including kind of two two legged ties but i think we lost three matches we drew two matches um yeah we didn't win a game um if you if you look at that just as a set of results scoring one goal in the process you think that the you know that would suggest that hey look if we'd got another body in at the beginning of january then the what's the worst that could have happened do you know what i mean it, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah no what i was gonna say is actually like you know how we mentioned earlier on we said okay well the we've got a really good chance of winning the premier league here yeah. if we sign this plus striker we can win the premier league yeah. i think we probably had a similar conversation with the league cup in january Right. And said, look, we've got a really good chance of winning the league. Well, not a really good chance, but a decent chance of winning the League Cup here. Um, and if we sign a midfielder, we could you know, potentially give Liverpool a game and then we're in a final and anything can happen in the final. Okay. And I think we, we effectively decided not to do that and not to go for that League Cup by not signing a midfielder then. That was a choice because in reality, in Premier League terms, we only really lost Partey. Well, we we were scheduled to lose Partey for just that Burnley game, really. Um, now, obviously, we got lucky, and then he was stupid, and now he, and he missed that game. But yeah, you know, a midfielder would have only really come in for that game, yeah. that one Premier League yeah, game. So yeah. the only real loss is, I mean, and I think you, we probably would have assumed we would have gotten past Forest with the midfield we had. So the only real loss here is the League Cup semi-finals, where you think, well. If we had someone, like you said, we might have been able to give Liverpool. There's every chance we could have signed someone and we could have still lost that game. And then we uh, we might have had three more points or two more points against Burnley. But then that player goes back to the bench again. But remind me, did, did um, pa- was Partey off for the Nottingham Forest game? Yeah, he wasn't here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he wasn't you could, maybe another body yeah. would have helped that game as well, no. right? Yeah, no, I think you you probably argue that we we might have scraped through then. You're right. Yeah. But I think we probably hoped to have beaten Forrest without him. Yeah. I think that was a fair assumption. Um, but yeah, I, again, but again, if that midfielder was available, then we should have got him. So I would hope that Bruno Grimarich was was never that player. Because if he was, then it's a huge mistake not signing him yeah, in January no. because he's clearly available. I, we'll never know. But it's clear that we have other, well, I hope we have other targets in mind. I, I hope to. Yeah, I, and I totally agree with that. I think that now that everyone's back, I have no issue with the fact that, you know, we we didn't sign a central midfielder. Um, you know, are there better central midfielders around that, you know, that can improve the squad? Probably. But 
I, I don't imagine that they deemed that any of them, any of them were available in January. And so, yeah, it may be in, in the summer that we see it happening. But for now, given 17 games, we've got four central midfielders in the team. Um, Xhaka and Partey, you'd have to imagine, will start every game if they're fit anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like totally fine with that. Um, look, the, uh, aside from that, this window, a couple of... There, there were a couple, a couple of incomings at Arsenal, um, and they've just happened fairly recently. And they're both American, um, it, and they've both been immediately loaned back to um, the clubs that they've signed for. Well, well, actually, it sounds like the first. So let, let's start with the top. Matt Turner, I think his name's Matt Turner. Matt Turner is the goalkeeper that we've signed. Um, it sounds like we've signed him, but are actually just the deal just goes through in the summer as opposed to we've signed him now and he's being loaned back. It sounds like he just signs for us in the summer. Um, Mm -hmm. He, I think is a 27 year old goalkeeper um, who seems to have kind of come into football pretty late, but um, seems to be an incredible shot stopper in, in in the MLS, highly rated in the MLS. Um, And he seems to be, yeah, you know, joining Arsenal in, in the summer, which would surely indicate he's coming in to play number two to Aaron Ramsdale and Bert Leno's going to be off. Um, mm-hmm. The second one is is one which, you know, I think this, this, this is bizarre for me. So, you know, we've signed, um, I think his, his, uh, his name was literally just on the, sc- on the screen here. I think his surname is Hasty. Um, trusty. Trusty. <laughs> hasty. Sorry, I'm really, I feel, I feel terrible about it. Hasty. Trusty. So trusty. But we signed him from Colorado Rapids, which is, which is Stan's team, um, which to me, look, it feels like there's, you know, there's not, there's not been any hype about this guy um, at all. He's probably half decent, but it sounds like we've signed him and we've loaned him back immediately. Um, I wonder what that is going to mean in, you know, do we really rate this guy? Is he someone who we actually think could be an Arsenal player? I I saw a few tweets basically saying that it was, it's basically a way to help him get him, to sell him in the future. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our main intention of this guy is not for him to play in our squad. Let's be realistic. We don't need any more centre-backs. We, do, we don't. Um, <laughs> and the main, the main goal here is... You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we basically paid nothing for him, because you know he it's just a, on Stan's trans like it's like a book a book transfer from from one of Stan's accounts to another one of Stan's accounts, so it's pointless. He's like just take him, um, and then simply by saying he's an Arsenal centre back, you can sell him for five six million maybe if you get lucky, mm. and Edu does his job. So I don't know. I I know nothing about him. Zero. <laughs> so I don't think anyone. No, no, I, no, yeah. <laughs> no, again, I don't, I don't. I'm not. I think he's the sort of player. I'm not even sure that there's many people in the MLS who are incredibly knowledgeable about him from what I was reading. Yeah, hey, listen. You know, we really hope. I hope it works out in some way. Um, but it just. I think it just. Just. It's a bit of a funny a signing to announce on on deadline day when quite clearly all the yeah. fans are. And you know what? It's we've got one minute. 39 seconds left of the transfer window. So I think we can safely say that nothing else is going to happen. Um, but all right, look, th- th- I guess the, the one one quick thing I'd want to ask you before I just go on to maybe just a, some a more general reflections about some other teams and what they've done is, um, 
center backs is an interesting one, right? Because at the moment we have got Ben White, Gabriel, and Rob Holding, and those are mm. those are the only three first team center backs that we have in the team, which is unusual. You usually think that, you know, four is kind of the number that everyone kind of says as oh, a safe number. So we've got one, you know, one left, left-footed player in, in Gabriel and, and, and Ben White and Holding. Given that Chambers has gone, you know, it means that, well, ultimately kind of the backup right back is Cedric. And it would indicate, to be honest, that if we did have two injuries at centre-back, Tommy Yasu probably would go into a, 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 and play centre-back and then, you know, Cedric would go right back. Does that concern you at all? Again, I think you have to look at it with the context of we have 18 games once a week and so far we've been okay with injuries. As with anything, we're taking a massive gamble hoping that no one gets a big, big injury now Um, because a big, big injury in pretty much every single position like completely screws us because we have almost no backup, no competent backup in any position. Maybe left back we have Tavares and... You know, we've got Pepe to come in. But apart from that, there isn't much. I think the the one thing that I'm okay with with the defenders is that they're all pretty versatile. Um, so, for example, at centre-back, uh, Tommy Asu can play there. Holding can obviously play there, but so can Tierney. Tierney can come in. Mm-hmm. And then you've got someone like Tavares who can play left-back, who can also play right-back if needed as well. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Ben White, who can also go to right-back. Um, Granit Xhaka can go to left back so we can get by it's not ideal like we saw when Ben White was playing right back against Burnley we did lose a lot versus Tommy Asu but we can get by for a game or two with with an injury I think the the real risk is what if Ben White gets ruled out for the rest of the season what if Tommy Asu gets ruled out for the rest of the season Um, but those those injuries hurt every team you know you can't have quality quality like even if if um if chambers was still here um the the issue would be well okay now we have to play chambers for the rest of the season (laughs) no one would be like over the moon that we've got chambers there and i think the one that i really feel a bit you know annoyed about is still ainsley maitland niles because he was a player that i thought whenever he came in yeah he was never a world beater but he when he played at right back or right wing back he looked okay when he plays at central midfield he looks okay. So, you know, for whatever reason, I think that is the one squad player we probably should have kept. Mm. Do you know what? Um, that That's one that I wonder when we see the Amazon All or Nothing documentary is going to, some insights might happen. I, I've always wondered with that, like, is it is it just a case where there were some difficult conversations that happened between, behind closed doors? He got annoyed, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that, that'll be interesting to know. I don't want to slander the guy in any way. I'm just saying it would be interesting to see what happens. Um, look, I think one thing I want to do before we wrap up, because, because you know, you're going on holiday and, and, <laughs> and taking a break from, uh, from the pod while you're going to be on holiday anyway, deservedly, um, belated honeymoon. Um, but, uh, while you're, while you're away from that, you know, Mize and I will likely do another episode just to reflect a little bit more on, you know, what we think about the rest of the season now, taking everything into context, not just transfers, but, you know, how many games left, how everyone else looks, etc. Um, but, you know, just just to just to finish up, I guess, on the theme of the window, 
if we look at the teams who are direct competition for us, and I and I, so I just want to limit to that. And so when I say direct competition for us, it's the people who you know, I believe are going for the the you know the top four places. Now, look, I know Chelsea have dropped off a bit, but let's just assume that you know let's just assume for argument's sake third is theirs. And so um, you know the people to that I want to talk about is Spurs, Man United, West Ham to some degree mm-hmm. Leicester, but let's just look at those three. Has there been any activity that any of those teams have done in January that's got you concerned in any way? Or like, you know, has your has your opinion of those teams or, or fear or, or you know, estimations of those teams changed at all based on anything they've done in, 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 in January? Mm, it's hard to say. I think, I don't know enough about the two, two guys Spurs have signed. Um, but, I think what it does do is actually give Spurs, I'd say like a plan B, for example, yeah. of, okay, well, you've got these players that come in. They There is a hope that they could go up a level. They might not. I don't know anything about them. They might just maintain their level. Um, but, you know, there is a chance that they could come good. And then that really hurts us. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I wanted to see at Arsenal, which is, like, like you said, Raj, we are we've basically gambled this season now on the the hope that a, these players stay fit and B that we can capture that form that we showed against Man City, uh, Norwich Leeds and take that to the rest of the season. And that is going to be our one and only hope that we come good because if, and if that doesn't work, there's nothing else for us to fall back on. Um, But and and that's that's my worry with us. But with you know, with, I think when you have new signings, it just gives you something to fall back on. I think Man United have that already because they've just got so much squad depth everywhere. You know, if Ronaldo's not working out, they can you know they can take out Ronaldo and play Fernandez, and Fernandez will probably come good. They've got players like Sancho who you know who hasn't hit form, but it could come good at any moment. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of Pogba, who is probably frustratingly inconsistent, but again, could come good. Um, for us, there, you know, we know what is going to come good, and that's their first eleven players. And we also know for a fact that there is pretty much, maybe barring Nicolas Pepe, um, there is no one else in this team that is going to come good for us between now and summer. And that is a big, big risk. Um, but it's not like they've gone and signed anyone that has significantly lifted them up to. Uh, like they've not made game-changing signings. For example, if we had signed Blahovic, for example, you would probably argue that that is a game-changing signing for us because it has the potential to transform us. Mm-hmm. And we haven't made that. But I don't think Spurs have done that. I don't think uh, West Ham have done that. I don't think Man United have done that. So I think the real the crux of it will be injuries between now and the end of se- summer, or mm-hmm. uh, the start of the summer, which is who is... Who stays fit and who doesn't stay fit? Completely agree. Um, all right, mate. Well, listen, the window shut five minutes ago. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be any um, any uh, faxes that haven't quite been picked up and reported on Sky yet anyway. Um, so it, see, it, <laughs> it seems like that's it for Arsenal. There's nothing that, um, that we've missed out on. There does seem to be a few random transfers here and there. I see Crystal Palace have signed Luke Plange from Derby. I don't know who that is, but, you know, fair play to them. Um, but <laughs> other than that, uh, doesn't seem to um, 
you know, be anything crazy. In that way, actually, like just as a closing comment on the window, it's been a pretty underwhelming window, hasn't it? Actually, uh, when you what, look at the for t- Arsenal, or for no, no. When you look at when you look at the top teams, like Liverpool have made, you know, Liverpool made, um, you know, a relatively big signing. It sounds like mm-hmm. um, I know City have signed someone who still seems like he is someone for the future. Um, that's it. Because Chelsea have Chelsea didn't do anything. Well, except Newcastle, right? Okay, Newcastle. Newcastle, Newcastle just decided to sign everyone and, and Everton to a certain extent <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, you know, in fairness, fine. There's been some activity there, like Donny Van Der Beek, all that kind of stuff with Everton. Deli Ali, that's a, a, a hilarious, a hilarious deal. It now looks like right. So, yeah, the kind of, I think the devil's in the detail, but it looks like no, he doesn't cost them anything. He hasn't cost Everton anything, but it's. Potentially twenty, oh no! Potentially, I think ten million. 10 million. If he if he plays twenty games, yeah. But they only have seventeen games left this season. Yeah. So in theory, they could just sell him at the end of the season. Yes, that that is my take on it. I assume there's probably like a yeah a sell on fee or something. Fair enough. But um, it. I don't. I mean, it comes down to how much you rate Daly Ali, how much you think he's worth. But um, well, he was. I, I was saying this. So, uh, look, as much as at some point, you know, he he was a guy with great, not just great expectations, but was playing very well in the Premier League. This this season, he is the worst professional footballer that I saw play live. I ne- when did you see him play against, live? To- against Arsenal, Tottenham, mate. Exactly. I mean, good, yeah, there you go. Did he come on, mate. I'm pretty sure he started. And I remember thinking he was so emotionless. There was no smile. There was no emotion on his face during the whole game. And he looked like he was just, you know, walking snail's pace, not, you know, complete directionless. Yeah. My, my the, the thing that I it reminded me of is, you know, the original Space Jam film where they take, where they, where they <laughs> yeah, take yeah. the, like, the ability out of those players and they're just kind of, yeah, gonna, just yeah that was, yeah. that was exactly like what it looked like. So anyway, you know what, at the end of the day, like, Fair play. It seemed like, you know, Everton and Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle are trying to sign everyone, but, you know, Everton, you know, are going to give it a go. So, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. Maybe maybe Frank Lampard can get the most out of him. But um, anyway, look, I think we'll finish up there. So, mate, so, you know, we're not going to get you on the next pod, uh, but enjoy your enjoy your trip. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you know, just you don't have Arsenal fixtures to worry about while you're away, do you? No, so, I'm very much going on my own international break. Wicked. <laughs> very good. All right, mate. Well, um, well, thank you. And look, everyone, thank you for listening. And we will um, be back soon. Cheers. Cheers, bye. bye.